hello and welcome. Good morning. Good morning. It is your more afternoon. It's my morning. <laughs> I'm not so much. Yeah, it's it's technically lunchtime, but I just got into the office, so. That's perfect. <laughs> I, you know, not many people can get me up before 9 a.m. It's like a hard, fast rule. Karen did it once, and she was like, oh, you're really not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, you asked to meet at 10 a.m. your time. That's 7 yeah. I'm, I cannot. <laughs> That's so funny. Yes, it's a running joke with us because she's always, whenever we plan a call, she's like, well, whatever your time is, whenever you wake up, is that 9, 10, 11? <laughs> Just call me before 5. <laughs> That's so cute. She's the best. She's so sweet. I Yes, I love her so much. Um, you're in New York. and. Yes. Are you living in New York now? So I live between Florida and New York. So I just kind of go back and forth. I have an office in New York, so it's nice to come in um, during the week and like work from here. And then I can kind of like separate work from life. Um, but Florida, I it's like my, my little oasis where I can sleep. <laughs> Love that so much. And you get the best of both worlds, like warm climate, like fun, like friend life. I've, I assume you probably get that in both though, because New York is also a good Yeah. Habit. Like New York is like where I get energized and I can work and meet people. Florida is like where I go to decompress, see my family, get to hang out with my little nephews and, you know. The the family stuff. <laughs> that is so important. That's usually I often go straight from like my work trip, which you know, be however many days it is. I airline in, go home to the airport. I will go straight from there to see my nephews and nieces, like and my sister, and it it just really does fill up that cup that hadn't been fed in however long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. And you've I, been on the road a lot lately. <laughs> I feel yeah, the joke is I started <laughs> this business so that I could be home more. And I think I travel more now. And the only difference is when I travel now, I don't get to like enjoy the layover and relax. It's usually like a jam-packed schedule. So I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> but one day I'll get to relax on a beach. <laughs> I would love to get into that. You you say you did this to trap to be home more. You were a flight attendant. Do you still consider yourself a flight attendant? I mean, I think once you're a flight attendant, you're always a flight attendant. But um, no, like I don't fly anymore. I did do one trip this year and it was for an old client. And uh, it was like three weeks, one flight on each end. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll do that. <laughs> you went somewhere amazing. It I was it was um, supposed to be amazing, but it was not. It was in the middle of nowhere, which is fine, which is fine. But y'all have those. Um, yeah, I got to work from my hotel, so that I had Wi Fi, so that was good. But it you was stayed the whole three weeks in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least you got paid that whole time. Yes, and those work. new day rates, honey. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, this is a hot topic right now. Jamie and I. Have oh my gosh! I was like, I was like, I don't know, if, like, am I worth that? Like, <laughs> you are worth every part of it. Real yeah. quick, did you look at that poll of Jamie's? I did, and my mind was blown. I mean, so, that's it's doubled since COVID. Yeah. So this stemmed. I'm looking at it right now. This stemmed from a conversation Jamie and I were having. Um, cause I was getting a contractor on my account and I was fighting for the highest pay, but you know, with having private chefs on board now too, or hiring private chefs that are becoming flight attendants or vice versa, there's a real muddy line because private chef day rates are higher. And so, so this is, this is actually something that I have been kind of saying, and it's the, the problem. So like now I'm on more of the broker side. Yeah, and, and like I'm helping my clients acquire aircrafts and things like that. Right. The, the thing that I'm noticing is people are pricing themselves so high, higher than their actual chef who works in their home three meals a day, seven days a week. Yep. And, and my worry is that people are going to price themselves out. And if there's an, a dip in the economy, that's the first thing to go. 
And, you know, it's like something that I, I keep seeing it. And like, now I get to fly as a passenger and I'm on these planes and I'm going, you charged how much? Yeah. You couldn't think on your feet and, and do these things like not to knock anybody, but all I'm saying is if you're charging 1200, 1500 a day, you better blow me away. Mm-hmm. And, and I haven't had evaluating- <laughs> Oh, are you evaluating <laughs> both food and service at that point? Obviously. So I have, I have, I can count one time I had a great meal on an airplane. You're um, not even hiring them for their food, like culinary skills. Um, e- either that, or it's like it takes so long for them to make the food that. At that point, you would just rather eat the eat catering. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, or or just like here's the food, and you're like watching them take pictures of it in the galley, which is fine. I used to do that, <laughs> but okay, like bring it out, um, or just like not knowing how to make adjustments. So like if there's two more people added on the flight, like maybe split it up and and you can like make it work but if it's like you're plating 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 and you can't plate it quickly and so it's like by the time I'm in the back and there's eight people and the first two that got their meals they're already done by the time it gets to me there has to be a flow for sure yeah, yeah. I think that you know I just had this conversation with someone too and I have so many topics that I want to stem off of there because I love Let's start with the first one. I love that you say, you know, about outrunning your day rate almost, like getting to a point where you're going to be too much for what you're getting. That's the conversation Jamie and I were having, and we're actually hoping to do an episode about her poll, um, is that there's a way to be humble and kind and be worth your rate and know your worth. And the thing is, is that I know my worth. I'm doing a ton of work on the road. But at the end of the day, I'm not a private chef. I am a flight attendant that is self-taught, that is aspiring to be a chef. Yeah. There's a very clear difference. I know that. I, I love that I'm doing that. I feel empowered in doing that. Like I love taking control of both of my careers that are budding. Yeah. Like you said, my boss has, one of my bosses has three chefs on his team and two of which have worked in Michelin star restaurants. They take priority. I don't want to make the same amount of them because their stress level is beyond mine. Their work level is beyond mine. They're sitting over there peeling tomatoes, like like grape tomatoes and doing the stuff that takes weeks of procuring. I'm Mm -hmm. doing this stuff on one day that's like, you know, back to back or whatever on a trip. I just don't want that. And I know that I'm not there yet. When I get the day where I have set foot in a Michelin star restaurant as a chef, cool. yeah, and maybe I will, <laughs> maybe. But and like, there is I, a quality issue. Sorry, you know? I I think the big thing too that um a lot of people aren't factoring in is it's like the they're sh- like I'm now getting to hire the chefs for their for family offices and fa- and homes. You know, <laughs> their day rates are sometimes what our day rates used to be in 2020 and and they are providing the meals three meals a day five days a week you know and that's a 12-hour day and you know it's like one thing i so like i've i've seen too where i'll try to hire a flight attendant for a charter flight and they want let's say 1200 a day, but, oh, you know, that's too many legs in a day. And it's like, okay, well, if you want the 1200 a day, your best work for (laughs) like, (laughs) that's fine. That's fine. If you want that. But, and and another thing is too, what I think we're going to start seeing for contractors is if you're asking that much and they're flying a week to Tahiti and they're sitting there for a week, do you think they're going to pay you 1200 bucks a day to sit in Tahiti for a week when they could airline you home for $2,500 mm-hmm. and then get you back, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now you're paid, you know, four days. Um, I 
there's, I love this insight as a broker, because this is the exact conversation Jamie and I were having, which was there just has to be a line where you understand when it's worth taking a lower day rate. And also, again, like you said, not shooting for that highest one. Cause honestly, you're going to lose clients. If you shoot for that highest day rate, I just, I mean, I've never been paid that. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't really want to, because then I think you also set yourself up for failure. There's a higher bar there. You might lose like a really nice layover because of exactly what you said. And also there's like new people coming into the industry that are hearing these like whispers of these day rates. And they're like, well, I want 1200. And so they're setting, and then they're coming to us and being like, why am I not getting any jobs? Like no one's like hiring me. Like I haven't gotten one trip. And it's like, well, what are you asking for? 1200. What's your experience? Yeah. And, And so there's all of these things that go into it. That's like people that have been in this industry for 20 years, aren't getting that. And so there needs to be that awareness and that, that just like, as much as we would like, like we're talking about that private chef thing, because we're, a lot of us are doing food now. There's also this line of, we are flight attendants and we need to be grateful that three years ago, the day rates were still 400, 500, 600. And that was good. I remember when I got my first $400 day rate, I was ecstatic. Yeah. I just made $1,200 in a week. Like, whoa. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, and it's like a, you know, when I was flying and I had clients, what people don't realize is I was also acting as like travel assistant concierge while I was flying and I wasn't getting that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you're going to do all that and, and help the client and you're doing all that, I think it's a different story because, all right, well, if, you know, this X company's paying $900 a day for a, um, charter. Well, that's great. Um, so if you're doing, you know, some work on the side while you're there, like sorts of restaurants, hotels and things like that, like I was, then yeah, you can charge more and it, but you're getting that you're giving them their money's worth, you know? And, and it's like, okay, great. You want that? Awesome. But you know, are you providing enough value? <laughs> well, and also, I don't just want like a charcuterie tray from Air Culinaire. Like it's like <laughs> all people want. It's all about knowing your client, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I would like it noted. Look at the doors that that opened for you. Look at you being able to put that experience on your resume and how much further that took you than being able to put by, by your resume. I once got paid twelve hundred dollars as a day rate. Yeah. And I half as much this year as the X, Y, and Z. If you are working as a contractor and you're getting that regularly, kudos to you. We're not shaming you at all. No. Awesome. Happy. Love that for you. Enjoy. Not my experience, not the pressure that I want, but also I think it's a really good example looking at you, like the doors that that opened for you, being able to put that on your resume, getting that experience, getting those connections, and also doing all of that for a lower day rate. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know. I I was when I did the contract trip. I was like, "How much? Are you sure? Okay, yeah, I'll take that." <laughs> I'm not. Oh, you know, I just moved like some plastic off a tray. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the thing is they wanted they wanted like catering, and I was like, "Okay, you know, sure." I worked three hours that flight, you know. <laughs> Honestly, it's so like South favorite. America. But yeah. I'm going this week. Let's go. Um, okay. That was a fun TED talk. It was really nice. <laughs> Hopefully we didn't lose a bunch of people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so obviously you have a ton of experience. Where did you start in your flight attendant career? And what yeah. So, so basically I started with um, Envoy which is, it was formerly American Eagle Airlines and and is now Envoy, Um, right out of high school, actually. So I did like a semester of college and I was like, this is not going to work. And I knew I wanted to to be a flight attendant. I thought that that was like the best way to see the world and meet new people, um, kind of get out of my environment, so to speak. And 
they hired me at 19 and I started flying with them until I was of age to fly with JetBlue. And then I switched to JetBlue and JetBlue, the, the cool thing about JetBlue was at the time, um, you could like do like spas, it's called like special assignments. Um, that basically like I could go and work with marketing for a day or I could go work in PR for a day. And like I was able to kind of see different sides of the business. Um, And so I like really valued my time at JetBlue. I felt like they really invested in me. Um, And then I started to kind of get complacent with flying. I felt like you know, I mean, you've done commercial, so it's, it's fun. And it's like, you're getting to go to crazy places that nobody's heard of, like Manhattan, Kansas. Um, <laughs> but you, it, it just gets like repetitive. And I've always been the kind of person that like, I want more, like, I remember when I was a flight attendant commercial, people used to be like, oh, do you like you'll you're going to do this for the rest of your life and i was like no one day somebody's going to pay me to sit in first class yeah. and um i remember i was flying jet blue and there was an incident that happened on board and it was when everybody started filming like started taking out their phones and filming and i remember thinking like it became a huge deal and i remember thinking to myself people don't know the whole story and i might lose my job over this when I was not in the wrong and what am I going to do? Like go apply at Delta. Now I can't. And mm-hmm. that could take six months to a year at the time. And yeah. so I was like, I've got to find something else. And one of my pilot friends, he flew uh, corporate and he was like, Oh, you should become a corporate flight attendant. And I didn't know that men could be corporate flight attendants. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's like, oh, my, one of our flight attendants told me that if you want to do this, like you have to go to fax training or flight safety. And so I remember I was just, this is so bad. I was just approved for my first ever credit card. And I like swiped that thing, maxed it out and did the training. (laughs) Honestly, Um, that's where I met Scott. And, um, that's where I met like a lot of people who have really helped really create my career in private aviation um Just like one or two people yeah you remember sandra i remember the name i never met her yeah she like she was in my class it was just a great group of people and patty adams who was my trainer she was the best too so like all of these like like powerhouse og corporate flight attendants were basically my mentors um and i got my first trip and it was a trip nobody wanted and so I remember I was just like, whatever. How much was your day rate? Four fifty. So. And your eyes probably went like, oh my. I was like, holy crap! I'm gonna be rich. Like yeah. I'm gonna be rich because commercial. I made like three thirty thousand a year, and I thought that that was. And I was more than me. I was living in New York, <laughs> so like with in a five bedroom. Life. In yeah. a five bedroom with like 12 people. So like, I didn't know any different. I thought that I was like doing the thing, you know? You're like, uh, I have pay so many rents with this. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, and I, I did my first trip and it was horrible until like, for like the first four days, I absolutely was like, this is the worst job ever. Why but, was it worst for you? Um, it was just not a, a nice person. And uh-huh. Yeah, I remember my pilots were like, you know, Griffin, if you can make this person smile, like we'll pay for your dinner the rest of the trip. And I basically like got a little sassy because this person was making me a little. Basically, I, I was like, I'm never doing this again, but I have to fly this exact amount of time to pay back the training <laughs> to pay off the credit cards. So that's how they sell it to you. And so I was like, whatever, it's going to be fine. And I finally just had it. And I kind of got a little sassy. And that person was like, I like the sass. Um, And so, yeah. And then I guess that person smiled. And um, yeah, so I became really how I kind of got my start was I'd go to like NBAA events and they'd say, oh, if you can fly that person, you can fly this person. 
So I started working for like really particular people and I loved it. So that's kind of like how I pivoted into private. And then it just got to a point where I was taking leaves from JetBlue and I was like, I can't keep taking leaves. They made, they told me I had to come back and I did like a month and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> hard when you've gotten a taste of the corporate flight attendant life. I think it's very hard to go back to the commercial flight attendant life for just so many reasons. Like each one has their own niche of employees that's right for that flight attendant life. And definitely, I think for you and I, once we got the taste of this other one where there was more of a challenge, more of a like um, goal. And like you said, to get this person to smile or whatever, there's this competition within yourself that I think for like us, I don't even know what kind of person I am, but for me, I'm always setting goals for myself. And so that really helps me in like complete my inner, like, I don't even know, competitive person at camp. (laughs) And I think, I think for me too, it's um, like not knocking commercial because Mm -hmm. I had a blast and loved all my colleagues for the most part. (laughs) Um, (laughs) some not so much, but they know that now. Um, (laughs) but, um, I think for me, it was like, I felt like any, like the, the clients treated me like an adult, you know, like I was looked at, I, I remember I had a client say to me one time and he, you know, you, he could tell I was kind of like trying to be like looking for affirmation. Yeah. And um, he was like, what's your goal? And I was like, to be sitting where you're sitting. And he was like, you know, Griffin, how you get there is just being the best at what you do. And he goes, do you know why you're on my plane? And I'm like, no clue. I have no idea. Like I burnt your salmon two hours ago and you still are okay with me. And he was like, it's because you're the best at what you do. And that's why you're in front of me. And, you know, people would pay a lot of money to have this conversation with me. And it kind of like dawned on me. I'm like, oh, these people look at me like professional at my career, Mm -hmm. you know, and I felt like commercial, you know, like even training that'd be like, remember phones off and you go to flight safety. I'm like, sorry, I got to take this. (laughs) Gotta go. Gotta go. See you in an hour. You know, (laughs) you know, it's like, I'll be back for chest compressions, you know, like, (laughs) and it's like, it's, it's not, it's, it's just like you're held to a different standard. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's good and that's bad. That's good because, you know, you you're obviously you're paid more. You're it's it's a career. It's um, but it's bad because you're under a microscope. Absolutely. And, and you know, if with whereas commercial, I could fly under the radar half the time. I didn't even know who my supervisors were. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, you're just like taking off <laughs> and you might get assigned flight leader and you're the manager of the plane. You know, so (laughs) isn't that funny that you go from, you know, commercial being like you said, you could be the boss, you could not be, but you're also working with two to six other flight attendants or more, depending on who you're working for and stuff. But then you also have like the disrespect from the passenger, like the way commercial flight attendants today are often treated. I'm appalled by, and no wonder so many of them don't want to smile at us and don't want to have good conversations. Us and don't want to treat us while even in first class. Like, no wonder because passengers are treating them horribly. Um, like I'll even try nowadays to like have like like you said, I often sit in first class now. I'm very lucky. Like, that's just something that's in my contract. Like I travel a lot. And when I'm done traveling for work, I would like to relax and be comfortable and be able to rest instead of being crammed in a middle seat in economy like I have been for years. And so I am very lucky and fortunate to often travel first class. Nowadays, that even that hospitality has gone down because of exactly what you're saying, the social media, them always being on guard, like always ready for these situations to arise. It's really unfortunate because I think they're also lovely and still love their job, but that they're so jaded often by what could be. And But then you get to the flip side of corporate. And I think that this is why you are so good at what you do and why he was saying you're the best at what you do. I think your hospitality is some of the best I've ever seen. Like I have never seen you in the work 
like presence, but I just know from who you are and how you treat people and how you present yourself that you are the best at what you do. Um, and I remember a story that you wrote for Kara on her blog, and it still sticks with me about your commercial experience. And you were showing your hospitality in this instance. I think the article is called the angel in 22 B, I think. Um, and, um, it was this beautiful story. I have one similar to it, but it was this beautiful story of, do you want to tell it? You You can, yeah, you can tell. And I'm, it's funny because I thought of that, like writing it and everything probably three days ago. Really? I don't know why it was just like, I was like, oh, I wonder what happened to that guy. But it was, it was the guy that basically his mother died. Right. Yeah. And, um, and I like wrote on a napkin and he cried in the galley. And, you know, the thing is that I think commercial taught me is that we're all human. Mm. So whether we have a billion dollars or $1 to our name, like we're all going through things. And I tried to like, I had a situation on a flight that was kind of similar to that um, when I was flying commercial and I remember I was like, you know, when you, like you talked about, like you get jaded and people are so mean to you all day that somebody says something nasty and you just automatically think they're just being rude. Yeah. And I remember this woman was just so nasty to me and something was telling me like, go talk to her. Yeah. And I did. And she, we were flying actually to Madison, um, which is Madison, somewhere in Minnesota where there's a Mayo Clinic for oh. Oh. that like, specializes in in that stuff and she basically said that like she was given six months to live and she's like i haven't told my children and they're your age and like bawling on my shoulder and was like how do i tell my child like you know and just like hysterically crying and it was like oh my gosh i thought my day was bad because i spilled coffee on my tie you know and I try to remind myself of those those instances when people are being rude to me. Like even now, most of my clients are amazing, um, but they have their bad days and that's okay because I have my bad days and sometimes they get to see that side of me too. But, you know, you just kind of, my old boss who really invested a lot of mentorship into me, he used to call it executive function where you can take a situation and sometimes you have to really bring yourself to their level to like understand and listen. And even if you like don't agree or, you know, think, think one way, like sometimes you have to like assess the whole situation. Um, and I think it's just like, I try to always think of that when I flew corporate, you know, it was different because commercial, I had every walk of life under the sun. You know, there could have been a billionaire on my flight and I had no idea. Um, but I always worked for the particular ones that nobody wanted to work for. Yeah. And I always looked at them like, okay, why are they this way? Why are they so angry? And half the time they just want you to just shut up and just be there. And if they're having a bad day, let them, let yeah. them like, they don't want your reaction. They don't want you to be like, oh, oh woo me. You're so mean. <laughs> they just they want don't you. even want you it's to like, recognize that. Yeah. It's like they want to just have their moment. And sometimes that's quiet. And sometimes like I've had passengers who everybody knows is the crazy person in the industry. And they never will talk to me. And I'm like, amazing. I just went a 12-hour flight. I served you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you didn't have to ask me for one thing. I just said, are you hungry? Plop. Are you thirsty? Here you go. You haven't drank water. Make sure you drink water. Here you go. Don't forget blood clots happen. Here you go. You know, you tired? Here's a coffee. You know, like, <laughs> just listen to them. Watch their body body language. And it, and it was just like, you know, sometimes they'd say, sit down. I, I need to talk to you. And I'm I'm having a day. And it's like, have a day. I have all day, too. So... Tell me. I have 11 on. hours and 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I, think, I think that's something that I focus on a lot and I try to focus on a lot. And I love everything you just said, because it really is reading the client. And I've talked about this before. It's about, re, you know, listening to your audience, right? Exactly what you're saying is like, <clears throat> we can all do white glove service, right? 
some clients want you to throw a beer in the bottle at them. They don't yep. want club service and they want you to like shoot shit with them in a professional way or not professional in a way. Yep. <laughs> like some people want you to just be, you know, I don't even know, but just casual in like a friend and, you know, you, we're flight attendants, we're professional. We can keep that boundary and go down to that level of, okay, you want a beer in a bottle? Here you go. You don't want to finish the last swig. I already have another beer for you. Like, you know, you just expect it. They want a shot out of, you know, like give them a shot. Then there's the other ones that exactly what you said. They don't want to talk to you. They don't even want to look you in the eyes. You just have to just quietly put their plate there, white glove service, everything perfect. And if it's not, they're going to yell at you and it's fine. It's not about you. It's not yep. like that's a hard one to swallow is that it's not about you, but it is truly not about you. That is something I had a, you know, whatever you want to call it, a high profile VIP client that um, was probably one of my first bad ones because I had gotten really lucky. And I remember it was a long flight and his family was on board and he literally put his hand in my face when I was like going to put his plate down. And I was like, what do I still put the plate down? Do I, does he want to eat with his family? Like, do, so I put it down with his hand in my face and I just slipped away. And then he like rang the call button the next time I was, I just waited and he rang the call button for me to come clear his plate. And his family told me though, he was like, we're like, we're done. And he just like looked straight ahead. Didn't look at me the rest of the flight. He hadn't looked at me the whole flight anyway. And then, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just him. When I would walk out though, he would be talking to his family and was the nicest person. But to the person serving him, you have to remember that these people are high profile people that are like constantly getting taken advantage of. People are constantly trying yes. to get picture, trying to get gossip on them, trying to listen in and hear what they're talking about with whoever they're having lunch with. You know, that's how I always viewed it too, is like, that's their sanctuary, a place where paparazzi can't get to them, journalists can't get to them. Shouldn't at least. Um, yeah. I had a pilot once take a picture of a singer songwriter oh. on the plane. He got fired so quick. <laughs> oh, that good. Yeah, it's like the rookiest move you can do. But anyway, all that to be said, I think you're completely right, and I think that's why you're so good at what you do is because you really do read the room, and now you're taking charge of it as a luxury concierge. Is that the right? Yeah, that's pretty. Uh... Close, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How would you label yourself? Like, what I is your job? So, are you familiar with lifestyle management? I'm familiar with the word. Word. So, so basically, like, that's like the fancy term for it. Um, but essentially, we make really cool stuff happen. So, anything to do with the lifestyle of the super rich, so to speak, um, we're membership based. So our members pay an a annual fee and we do anything from help them with their travel to like A to Z. So like car, helicopter, plane, hiring everybody in between, um, all the food they eat, whether that be hiring a chef, yeah. you know, getting them the last minute Michelin star restaurant um, reservation to the hotel when they land, the car service when they land, the security when they land, um, the yacht, everything. Um, we also do, um, we're involved in like the fashion world. So we do, um, you know, ex you know, shopping experiences, um, but we're really experience forward. So really how it works is our clients come to us and say, hey, I want, you know, this watch that hasn't existed in 10 years or one actually that we did was like 80 years and it's like okay finding that bringing it to them flying somebody to go pick it up with ah. security flying them back to the u.s and hand delivering it to their house you know so my clients sometimes some of them don't really know my name <laughs> so they'll be like the fixer guy yeah so we just like <laughs> we just make stuff happen but basically um, when I was a flight attendant, I was doing, like I said before, I, I was helping with, um, I'd fly land and then my job started. And so most people, they do the trip and then they go to their hotel and sleep. Mine was do the trip, 
land, sometimes help them with a meeting, um, taking notes if their assistant was sick or, um, hey, any restaurant suggestions where I go? Hey, you know, we need help with a charity gala. Hey, you know, like I started doing all of that when I was a flight attendant. And what ended up happening was I had kind of like a bottleneck of all of these people asking me for either to fly with them or um, they wanted a charter flight or they wanted all these things. And it started to really affect my work because I'd, I'd be on the plane flying as a flight attendant and be like, I have 10 other things I got to do. Like my mind is over here. Um, And then during the 2020 election, when I was doing more like logistics work, um, you know, a lot of the people from that would come to me or, you know, refer me to somebody who referred me to somebody. And the next thing I know, I have a charter client. Um, And, and, you know, so it was like a lot of situations like that. I just... I've always been the person that I take opportunity when it comes, even if it doesn't make sense now. Um, and yeah, I just was like, I went to some of my uh, clients that I flew for and I said, this is what I'm going to do. Um, if you want us to work with me, this is the buy-in. Um, and so I kind of took my old clients and started this company. And so I'm handling all their stuff. I'm just not flying with them anymore. I love that so much. Also, do you get to now pick their flight attendants a lot of the time? So you like, yeah, or, or it's like they buy a plane because like we help with that too, and then it's like now I get to staff it. That's incredible! So, what a fun opportunity. Yeah, or or it's like helping with catering. Um, it the cool thing is, it's super eat like the broker side of things. Is it super easy for me to tie everything together, like the driver on each end and and then the catering and making sure like anybody can do it, whether they're brand new or not. Um, So it like it looks like this credible experience when really it's like if you were to be the flight attendant on a flight that I was that were some of our members, like you would get branded. It's our company's called Brule, which is awesome. Um, you would get this like branded snack box because I found that I couldn't stand all the charter snacks on airplanes. So it's like custom snacks and everything's branded and then um, cocktail napkins. And sometimes we'll even like have the catering order and then print the menus because I realized that a lot of charter flight attendants won't do that, even if I request it. Or, you know, most charter flight attendants now won't go shopping for like, alcohol and specialty items so we will send a team wherever they, they are hundred dollars <laughs> yes correct and i'm still doing all the legwork um, oh <laughs> um some of them are great but yes i think it's so interesting because you have such a good insight because you were a flight attendant and you got to know all this background of stuff that really makes a difference in the flight to clients mm-hmm. and especially like building that relationship and knowing like even just like the napkins and having that logo on there, that really sets you apart from just having like a generic gross yeah. napkin or no napkin at all. <laughs> and, and you know, it's what's interesting is like, I, I realized that some planes, they could be on a 12 hour flight and don't even have socks or yeah. eye masks. And so like we have an overnight flight box and with like portable chargers because half the outlets never work, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, or, you know, like, it's like, basically, I, when I've chart, like when one of my clients charter, it's like, you get instructions on a box that says, put this here, put that there, replace that. And my clients get on and think that's normal. That's <laughs> so, um, what, one of the last things, Griffin, that I want to touch on with you, because I know you're so busy, so I don't want to take a ton of your time, but um, is that. You said, oh gosh, the, the thought just like went out of my head for a second. Oh no. Um, oh, you said that it's, um, you know, that you had all of these different duties and things that you were doing on the side that you were constantly thinking of all of these different hats that you were kind of progressing into in your flight attendant career, but on the side and on your layovers. And I think that's interesting because I've always been that kind of person where a client asks like, Hey, can you go pick this up for me? Of course I can. Yeah. I'm not, I'm on a layover. Sure. Yeah. No problem. Hey, can you do this for me? Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm on it. Um, 
And so many people tell me, no, 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 you're exhausted because you're doing all of this. Like, don't do that. And I get that. And I think it's a huge, like, don't do more than you're asked anymore. Like, blah, 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 blah. But I now work for one client and I, we were just talking about this and I work directly for him now, not a management company. I work directly for him. And so I do get like the inside information on like, Hey, he's going here. Can you go set this up for him here? Hey, like he wants this from this one place. Can you grab that? So it's on the plane when he gets there and he doesn't have to do it. His security team doesn't have to do it. His personal assistant doesn't have to fly in. Totally. Yep. Totally. I think it, I think of it as exactly kind of how you did where it's like, that's going to set me up later when I no longer can be or want to be a flight attendant. I'm collecting these skills that will be able to be something that I can like go be a personal assistant or be a concierge or do something of that sort and have that in my repertoire, I guess. Um, And so I see collecting these different hats as a really good thing. And obviously you've made it an incredible thing and created a company around it. What would you say to people that have kind of said no to those in the past? I think that is... I'm going to say this very delicately. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to figure out like a nice way to put it. The, the thing that I've seen most now, you know, thank God I'm in a position where I'm starting to see the slave work I was doing 30 hour days and still going to the hotel and they're having an issue with check-in and, you know, I'm go, Oh, don't worry let's swap hotels, shuffle everything over. Like I would do that after a long haul. Yeah. And no questions asked. I'm doing it. I didn't care. I didn't say, well, that's not my job. You know, I, I hear a lot of times in this industry, um, boundaries Mm -hmm. and yes, you have to set boundaries. Otherwise, you're going to be living with them at one point. However, boundaries does not mean when that plane lands, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I think if they're in a pinch, you shine so bright as a person and they will take my clients invested in me. You know, they didn't give me any job that they wouldn't do themselves. And I always looked at it that way. Like people would pay hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to be able to have the conversations I had with some of the world's wealthiest people, some of the world's heads of state. I mean, former presidents. Do you know how much money, for example, a former president can make $500,000 to speak for 30 minutes at at an event. And this man just sat in the back with me for an hour talking about my future and my goals and how I was going to be able to fly private. Do you see what I'm saying? And so, sure, I will make things happen. I will go to the house. I will bring the box. I will. I mean, I've had I've had clients that would send the plane with me to go return a gift in yeah. a different state, you know, and and you better come back with money <laughs> in your hand or a credit, you know, like having and those little things where like you're so stressed out, you're like, oh, my God, what if I don't make it happen? Like. That is why I'm able to be where I am right now. And I think, of course, have your boundaries. Of yeah. course. I'm not saying that. But how many management companies did not want to work with me because mm-hmm. I would go and help them? Or they would see me at a client event and on social media and I'm in the background. But I helped with the event, you know, and oh, well, that's that's not, you know, you can't be doing that. Sure, I can Absolutely, I can. But guess what? Like that builds trust with people who don't trust. Mm-hmm. And and they are, these clients are like my children. I look at these people like some of them just got, they sold a company and now they're a billionaire and they didn't touch, they made half a million a year for 10 years and now they're a billionaire, you know, and which is still great money. But now you have every penny you could ever think of and you can't even go broke technically, you know, and 
there are so many people along the way that use them and take advantage. You've seen it on the plane yeah. and you've seen it and they don't trust people. And I don't blame them because I know how people can sneak in there. And I mean, some people think that even when I was a flight attendant, like, oh, you can afford a plane, you know? Oh, so can I come on the plane? No, I just work on the plane, you know, <laughs> like, and I just think it's, it's such an overlooked thing these days. And it's like, do the extra, go the extra mile. That's how you get the day rate. That's how you can negotiate with somebody. I mean, half these people, do you understand that like executives negotiate with billionaires? Like high level, older people are yeah. negotiating with these people and we are get to negotiate our own salary and our own skill sets when you put yourself in that position. Yeah. And it's like, that is transferable skills that you can't get in corporate America unless you've been doing it for 30 years. And it's like, we're given the opportunity of a lifetime to rub elbows with these people. And guess what? When I started my business, do you know that my clients came to me and said, do you want an investor? Wow. And that's how we got a kickstart was I had an investor who was a former client. And it's like, you know, it may seem like, oh my God, I'm working so much. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm not doing that because I have boundaries. Okay. You're, you're going to go sip a pina colada on the beach for four days, girl. Come on. <laughs> You'll be fine bringing them their suitcase they left on board and going back to, you know, like you're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And it, it's like, I totally get if you don't want to do that yeah. because that's fine. But maybe you do want to check out and maybe you really yeah. do just want this job where you can just buy yeah. And I think some people are like that. And that's great because that sounds amazing. Uh, I know. And it's like, if you want to do this for until you retire, that's incredible. Yeah. Like that's up to you. You make a great living. You know, you can, it's flexible, especially when you build clientele. So it's like, I get that. But if you want to do more down the road, if you want those type of skills, hustle. Yeah. You know, and, I love that. And you're not saying to cross a, personal professional boundary you're saying be so hospitable that they want you back and go from there and i think exactly. that that's really your distinction of be so good at your job that and go above and beyond and do that extra mile that you set yourself apart to where they keep asking you back and then from there you start building a professional relationship that doesn't cross a boundary where you're like being that person that they need in the cracks Yep. And all of a sudden you're irreplaceable to them. And, but you're not crossing that boundary of being like, oh my God. So your boyfriend of the week is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're not doing that. And I think that that's something so interesting about what you're saying is because I think when people think of building relationships with clients, they think of crossing that professional boundary. And I haven't heard one thing where you did that. And yep. so I think that that's really fascinating because I think that that's what people associate with building a clientele, like what you're talking about. And and also, you know, I, I will say fair warning, if you do get close with a family, be careful because you could start, it happened to me where their family became my family, Yeah, you know, yeah. an extension, so to speak. And then you find yourself going, oh, now, now they're like, did I just cross the line and now I can't retract? Yeah, you know? and, and, but the only way you're going to learn that is if you go through it and it happens, you know, I was lucky. I worked for an amazing family before I started this business and I was doing everything with them and they were just super generous and amazing. And, um, I was lucky that my boss, like the um, principal, he met me for coffee and I was like, am I getting fired? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was tired. It was obvious. I was like kind of checked out and, but I was still always with them. And, and so I was like, cause I've been fired before. Uh, so that's another thing. If you're fired, you just learn from it and keep going. Um, I that. Yes. <laughs> um, but, and he sat me down for like an half an hour and just was like, Hey, 
here's everything I think you're great at. Here's why you're going to be successful. Here's everything you need to work on. And to me, it was like, like smack in the face I needed because I wouldn't even have this business. I wouldn't because he even said to me, he said, Griffin, you don't know what you want. You don't, you know, you have an idea and you know that you want to be where I am, but you have no idea how you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And it was like a good push, but I, the big conversation was you cross boundaries, you know, you're going out with the children and you're going out and doing these things. And it was fine in the beginning, but now you're going too far. And it was like, oh, that's right. (laughs) This isn't my family, you know? Um, And it happens. It does. But know when to pull back, know when to see your exit and leave accordingly. Um, You know, it's, it's all things that you learn, but I'm just very grateful that I've had a career that I've always just pushed the limits and, and just always, I used to always say, how can I be a, you know, how can I be useful? How can I add value? How can I be of service? And half the time I would give them my phone number when I would, if I was meeting a new client, here's my phone number. When you're on the, we're here for a week. If you need anything or any recommendations, let me know. Yeah. And half the time they'd be like, what are your recommendations? And I'd send them a list that I'd compiled and they're like, oh, this is kind of impressive, you know? And it's like putting those little things and then you can become the assistant and you can become the concierge. You can be doing these things. Yeah. And building that arsenal of skills after or during being a flight attendant, either or. I really love that. And I think obviously you've done such a good job. (laughs) Sorry, you're having such a good moment and my dogs are ruining it. Um, But I think you've done such a good job of building your brand. And I think of all of the amazing things that I've heard of you, seen you do, like I've only gotten to hang out with you a few times which have been lovely every time but like I could see your hospitality see your heart see your drive behind all of that and still to this day like I am so rooting for you because I love seeing all that you're doing and it's really next level and you're making such a good name for flight attendants and the thereafter if we want one and I love that thank you (laughs) Um, and you're showing us how to do it and I think that's really incredible and I love that you just always had a drive and a passion and you just went for it. Like, I mean, from being a commercial flight attendant, even before that, like going to college in one semester and knowing this isn't for me, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And just going for what you wanted. Like, I think that that's just incredible. Um, So congratulations on everything. And I love watching you. Thank you. I think it's just important that we learn that life is short and take the risks now and and it can pay off. So absolutely. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and make thanks for having me. Sorry, it took so long to finally get a meeting. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, important people. I just <laughs> <laughs> you're just so important. And so no. I love that you were able to make the time for me. Just um, S is more like it. <laughs> not a word or two words that I associate with you. (laughs) Well, we'll talk soon. Okay. Um, Thank you so much. Of course. Talk to you soon. Bye.